KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Welcome to Jaws of Justice Radio on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. It's Monday morning. My name is Terry. Jaws of Justice Radio investigates how we can achieve justice from a system of laws deeply rooted in economic, social, and political inequality. We hope you will listen. Today, host Macy Jones will speak with his guest, Malik Mikhail Shabazz, born Gary Davidson, a.k.a. Michael Brown, street name Majestic Mike. Mikhail converted to Islam. He has spent 30 years in prison. He was 36 when he went to prison, convicted of a felony. He's been released after time served. Prison is where Macy and Mikhail met. Mikhail has created Street Life, an organization located just in Kansas City right now, but Mikhail would like to see it become a statewide organization. The goal of Street Life is to fill the gaps. Street Life has organized programs, and people can start the programs after they're out for 90 days. Mikhail and Macy know about prison life. It's very interesting to listen to them share stories. On Jaws of Justice, we examine how to find justice in our society. Justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Please stay tuned in and hear our show. Thank you. My name is Macy Jones, and I'm glad to have with me today Malik Shabazz. Glad to have you here this morning. Salam alaikum. Good morning to you, too. As your bio and introduction stated, we were uh, we met while incarceration. And I noticed during your bio the different names that you had. So in your own words, give us a brief understanding of who Malik Shabazz is. Well, um, after serving 30 years in prison, I've learned a lot about the justice system. I took a paralegal course and learned the law, but I've learned that there are roadblocks that are in the law that prevent you from doing anything. There are many, many problems that are there where the odds are against you from day one. They say in America that you're innocent until proven guilty but actually you're guilty until proven innocent you know what I'm saying the system is not set up in a way to address the racial and economic barriers that it has created in other words to keep you from being successful and most of the programs and different things that are designed to assist you have so much red tape that it takes you months to get through the red tape and then to be rejected and be told that you need to appeal the decision. For example, right now I'm dealing with my social security. I've just been released from prison after serving 30 years. They told me that my check was being reduced not because I was making more money, not because I changed my residence, not because I did anything. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, and then they say, oh, we reduced it and we forgot to tell you. 
but it's reduced. So if you had light, water, gas, rent, you understand what I'm saying? Where you're depending on your money, you can't even depend on that. And then they got more red tape to say, oh, if we made a mistake, come talk to me. You know what I'm saying? You got in 60 days, we're going to put it in front of somebody, we're going to review our decision and this, that, and the other. You got five days from the day that you received the mail and this, that, and the other. You know what I'm saying? There's just so much red tape coming out. You know what I'm saying? Then finding a job. Fortunate for me, I'm not on parole. But a lot of the brothers that I see that come out on parole, you know what I'm saying? Just say that, for example, the parole officers don't have to be. The system is set up in such a way that the parole officer becomes your God. You know what I'm saying? Basically, where whatever he say you got to do, you got to do, even if it don't make sense. Uh, a friend of mine recently was released and placed on parole and he got a job working for an apartment complex where the apartment complex said, we're going to give you a free apartment because we're going to make you apartment manager. They made him apartment manager. He gets the free apartment. His parole officer said that his address was in a different district and he would have to change parole officers and that was too much paperwork. So you can't live there. You can work there, but you have to find you someplace else to live. I couldn't believe it, man. I couldn't believe it. Here's a system that's designed where the person that is placed in over you, you have to function on what's good for him. He's supposed to be assisting you on your release and getting yourself together. But instead of assisting you, he's hampering you from being successful. Now, you said that the individual that uh, you're speaking of, he was given a job as a complex manager of an apartment complex. And because he lives in a different district from where he's paroled, where he was originally paroled, he can't he can keep the job, but he can't get the free the free housing that they given him because he's gonna manage the apartment complex. Is that correct? No, they said that because his parole officer would have to be changed and it was too much paperwork. It's what he told him face to face. Well, the reason why I ask my question is because when he was paroled initially, he was paroled into a district. Right. He was like, like for example, district, down north, down north. Like for example, like for example, district two, district uh, four. Yeah, I understand it. Okay. Breakdown. The, the breakdown of the districts. So, by him being paroled, I'm just using this as an example. Being paroled when he was released to district four. Now, in the process of complying with everything that his parole stipulations are, he'd have to uh, get a job. So he sought out employment, and in the process of seeking out employment, he got a job as an apartment manager. But the district that he got the job in, in as for the apartment manager is not the district in which he was originally paroled to. So now... I'm just trying to give get some understanding. You're on point. And so now they turn around and it's expressed to him, you can't you can keep your job, but the but the benefits of working in that apartment complex as an apartment manager, you cannot have. That's what you're expressing. He's saying that he can't live there. But that's a benefit. Right. That's a benefit of his job. That's right. So, 
by that being a benefit of his job, they they expressing to him that he would either have to transfer or they're not going to transfer him. They're not going to transfer him. So you're telling me that his parole officer has that power to prevent him from transferring from one district to another district. You didn't want to say so wait to live. He can work in that other district, but he can't live in that other district. So my next question to you is then is, is there someone that he can go to concerning that matter? His parole officer is God. Who's he going to go to? Well, I'm sure I'm sure that he, that his parole officer got a God, too, you know, <laughs> which which we use in that term kind of loosely. But I'm saying uh, his parole officer has a, some a, a supervisor, someone that they have to talk with, that they have to speak with. So I'm sure that if a parole officer has said something of this nature to, to him, then all he has to do is go to their supervisor and express what's being done to him. If he is seek, if he is truly seeking the transfer from the district where he had to get the benefits of what his job provides him, then he should go to he should go to his parole officer supervisor. All right. Now here's my question to you. What happens when the supervisor agrees with the parole officer and the offender who told on this parole officer is off now? And then the first technical violation that he can figure out, he sends him back to prison for trying to go over his head. He risked that as well. His freedom, you know what I'm saying? He's doing a lifetime parole. Your parole officer is the last person you want to thought. And I, I agree with you and I understand where you're coming from. However, let's look at the aspects of it. It's the same as being incarcerated. When you turn around and talk a corrections officer, you know, what's, what's, you, you know there's backlash that's always going to come to anything that you do in life. Now, in making the choices that we make, not, not saying that they, not me saying that this parole officer is right in the way that she's treating this man who's trying to do the right thing and get his life back on track. I'm not saying that. You know, and I don't agree with I don't agree with the actions of it either. I feel that, you know, if if a if a parolee or a probationer is doing what they supposed to do and trying to do the right thing, then I I feel this just my this just me that they should turn around and be afforded every opportunity to proceed in that venue. Now, uh, the only thing that I can say to that is that just like I was saying earlier about the corrections. We know from being incarcerated how correctional officers, when you make them mad, when you make them mad, then there's always some type of retaliatory actions that come about from that. So we know what we have to do to make sure that whatever comes doesn't take place, that we can afford it. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that even though you're in the right, Sometimes punishment falls on people that's doing the right thing. But I'm, I guess I'm going to be an optimist and say that in the long run, truth will prevail. It has to. Well, if, if not, then what's the point of all of this? Well, in this situation here, a lot stepped in for real because uh, the dude that owned the apartments got another complex in the district where he can live and See. he said that was so idiotic he just gave him an apartment down there he 
He said, I'm going to give you the apartment. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to pay you pay rent. But I'm going to put money on your check to pay the rent with extra. Because you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. So that where he, he can, his parole officer wants him to pay rent where he lives. So move down here in your district, pay rent down here in this district, and work out here, and I'll give you the extra to pay for the rent that you, basically he's still in the same situation, you know. And see, and that's what I was meaning by when I say, when I said that truth has to prevail. Right has to, right has to wind out. If not, then what's, what is the, what is the whole purpose? I think a now, lot prevailed in this situation. And and when you do the right thing, hey, you can't do people. There are good there are good people in the world, even though there's injustice, even though there's wrongs being done. There are still good people in the world that are willing to aid and assist in helping helping the individual that's trying to help themselves. Now I I heard you speak of. Um, an organization. I don't want to get too in depth in this right now, because this is what we're doing our second part. But however, I like to touch on it briefly, so it could be out there. The organization that you are putting together called Street Life. You know, now is that a is is that word? What is the purpose of the organization? I say it like that. All right, Street Life is an organization kind of designed to fill the gaps. You know, like. Uh, when you released from prison, or at least when I was released from prison, I was locked up 30 years. I received $8.50 a month. I worked at different jobs. I worked industry and different things. Uh, I worked at tag plant. I worked at uh, the food service. I worked uh, different places within the prison and I got educated. I, like I said, I went to school and I got my paralegal and uh, I got my AA, you know what I'm saying? So I got educated. The more I got educated, I realized how incorrupt the system was. You know, uh, they tell you one thing and they do another. And then they have a rule for a rule. Street life was designed to assist in people that fall in the cracks. The, you get released from prison, they tell you, we're going to help you do whatever you need to do when you get out of here. We got you, man. We got you. You know, you, you need a place to stay. We got you. You need a, a food. We got you. We need, we will help you get yourself together. We will help you find a job and everything, right? And I come to the streets, you know what they told me? They said I had to be released 90 days before they would do anything to assist me because you have to be declared homeless before they can assist you. So you have to be on the street for 90 days. So here I am released from prison after serving 30 years Computers weren't even invented like they got now. The phone, the everything, the the whole, the world has changed in 30 years. It's not what I left. My phone was in a bag. You had to carry it on your shoulder. You didn't want to say it cost you, uh, I think it was uh, 25, 50 cent a minute back then. You know, and you had to plug it into the cigarette lighter. They got phones now as big as my thumb, you know. It's, it's a whole new world, computer literate. Just think, I took every class but computer. You know, I'm an old dude, I'm 67, 68 now. You know what I'm saying, I'm old. My, my uh, learning process is outdated. My mathematics, everything that I learned is old. 
everything that you do now, you have to get on the computer to do everything now. You have to get on the computer to get to your computer. You have to get on the computer to get your phone. You have to call and do everything. And everything, even my social security stuff, man, they tell me that I can't apply for plan B at the office. I mean, while I'm sitting here with the people, they tell me I have to go online to apply for plan B. I don't know how to go online to apply for plan B. Nobody at the office is helping me. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> Street life was designed to help those people. These are people that we're trying to help, you know, because a world has changed in years. They take you, they put you in there, they release you. When they let release me, they gave me the money on my books. They didn't give me no money to get a hotel for the night, an apartment for the night. They didn't give what do you mean by money on your books? <laughs> <laughs> money, I had $8.50 a month. Okay, it's like a bank account. Right. In other words, whatever, whatever was in your bank account, that's what they gave you when right. you left. Okay. So if I had eight dollars and fifty cents when I left, wait, 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 no, no, they pay you for the like when you uh, the month you released, they give you that little eight dollars and fifty cents going out the door. They give you a bunch of papers with envelopes and stuff telling you this is for this, this is for that, this is for this. You ain't looking at none of that. You happy to get the hell out of there? You do. <laughs> Excuse me. You you have to just to get out of there. You know what I'm saying? So you you just go. You know the door is open. Finally, after 30 years, I'm out of here. I'm free. You know what I'm saying? Let me get as far away from this place as I can get. That's the only thing that I can think coming out the door. So you <laughs> so really coming out? It was like Alice in Wonderland syndrome. <laughs> Man, you know you was going down a rabbit hole after 30 years. That's three decades. That's three decades of incarceration and every. The, the, everything's changing today in, in, in a matter like we sitting here right now talking and everything is changing. Now, uh, so street, street life is designed to do what other organizations are not doing. Is that, that what you're saying? Because yes. you said that when you got out, they tell everything's telling you you had to wait 90 days before you can even get any assistance. Right. You know. So when, what, we're, what we're presently doing is we're looking at um, – trying to find like them old motels and things like this here that's been evacuated that they're not using anymore and renovated and turn it into a place for people to spend release, to have some place to stay, to get on their feet. You know, because like, uh, look at the guys getting out this month. How many of them ain't got a place to go? And oh man, have you seen this Amarose place? I don't want to call a name, but have you seen it? If you ain't got no place to go home, in the, in the joint, they won't let you go. If you don't have, you know, you're going on parole now. If I'm going 12-12, they got to now, let you now go. Now, what's a joint, you know? Prison. Okay. okay. <laughs> you know, we don't want nobody to mistake that you're talking about, talking about what they just legally, what they just recently legalized, you, set up you. shops for. Go ahead. So when uh, uh, you can't find a place, you, your parent, you know, like you've been locked up 30 years. Everybody you love is dead. Everybody you uh, cared about has deserted you. I mean, over 30 years, of, I mean, you ain't got nobody no more. So you get out. Now they say that you can't get out unless you have a place to go because you're coming on parole. What if you ain't got nobody? So they got this place called Amarose. You know what I'm saying? They charge them uh, $200 to give you a place to go home to, right? So if you ain't got no money and you ain't got nobody sending you no money, you got to save your little 850 until you get, you want to go home. You got to save that little 850 and beg everybody you know to send you some money so you can get that $200 to 
so you can get an amarose, so you can have an address to be released to, just to get out of prison. Even though you've reached your outdate and passed it because you were going on parole, you have to have a place to stay. Okay, so but when you go down to Amarose, you remember, the, you remember Potosi? They had the sails with the concrete beds, the concrete floors, the concrete everything, shelves, everything was concrete. It's the same way. It's the same way. And these dudes are being forced, forced to do this because it's some place that will let them come. You know what I'm saying? Other places, all this fair stuff ain't happening. It's not happening at all. So when they, they get out, they're faced with a situation, whereas now I don't got the place to get in here. Now I got to find something to work, feed my family, feed myself, get clothes, because your clothes, what they gave you when you left the penitentiary, is all you got. Yeah, I'm familiar with Amrose. I, I knew someone that, uh, that was staying in there, and uh, the whole thing about it is, is that to have to pay to get in somewhere and you don't even have a job yet, you're coming straight out of prison, I, I think is unjust. I think is unfair. <laughs> At least let me get out and work for 30, 40 days, or 90 days or something, get, get a paycheck. You know? But, you know, so this is what street life is wanting to provide. We want to provide the uh, facilities to assist people in that situation to where they don't have to be victimized. I mean, like, you, you come out of the joint. I mean, like, you had to pay to get out. That's what they saying. You have to pay somebody to get out of prison. So they've designed an industry to where it's now you're getting out of prison. Now we're going to let you go, but you got to pay to be free. Yeah. Now, on the other side of that, you know, I'm going to play the I'm gonna play the other side of the coin. You know, that. well, okay, so what? You did what you did, you know? You done what you done. You know, you knew the consequences of your actions. You made choices. Now, here it is, another choice presented to you. Do you want the choice or not? And if you take the choice, what are you crying about? In the federal penitentiary, they can give you a job where you make $300 a month. In the Minnesota, they pay you minimum wage you know what I'm saying in Missouri they pay you eight dollars and fifty cents how am I gonna save money to be released to get myself together how am I supposed to do anything over 30 years they don't provide soap they give you two you know them hotel soap bars they give you one of them a week they give you one roll of toilet paper a week and you're supposed to survive with that you off eight dollars and fifty cents the food in the kitchen I'm Muslim we do not eat pork they have pork for breakfast, pork for lunch, and then pork for dinner. When I want a food substitute, they give me beans. Beans for breakfast, beans for lunch, and beans for dinner because I don't eat that. So I have to take my eight fifty and buy toilet paper. I have to buy soap. I have to buy shaving equipment. I have to buy hair equipment. I have to buy body lotion, which costs over $20 a month. I mean, so how am I supposed to save any money to be released with to get myself together? Shoes, they give you a pair of state boots. You know what I'm saying? When those wear out, it takes you six months to get another pair. You got to wear them in for a certain period of time before they even give you another pair. You know what I'm saying? How are you going to buy shoes? You know what I'm saying? They give you tennis shoes in the gym, but they belong to everybody. 
when you get released, you want to be a man. You want to stand on your own. You want to take responsibilities in your world. We want to help those people, street yeah. life, the okay. people that want to be successful, the people who are actually coming out of prison, trying to do better and make themselves a better person. Okay. Now you turn around and you express that. And, and I'm glad to have you on the show, Malik Shabazz. And I'm, my name is Macy Jones. And we'll be back in a moment. Support for KKFI brought to you by the Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College. Now welcoming audiences for its 2023 season. Performances include blues, rock, jazz, classical, world music, comedy, and children's programming. See the full season and learn more at jccc.edu slash Midwest Trust Center. Eco Radio KC, a locally produced exploration of positive solutions to the ecological challenges we face as we work to create a healthier future for our community and the planet. Hear from regional and national guests, find out about upcoming events, and learn how to keep yourself and your family well. Tune in each week from 6 to 7 on Monday evenings or listen anytime at kkfi.org slash podcasts. Give the gift they will talk about for years to come. A KKFI guest DJ certificate, a one-time donation of $200 or a monthly sustaining donation of $16.67 will get your loved one an hour to share their musical taste on the local music program of their choice. A board operator will be provided. They will even get a recording of their DJ experience. Go to kkfi.org and click on the donation button or call 816-931-3122 for more information. Now the calendar for the week of December 11th. Legal Aid of Western Missouri provides free civil legal services to low-income and vulnerable people in Jackson County, Missouri. If you're interested, you can call 816-474-6750 to apply. Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America is a very active group of mothers and others. You can learn where their virtual meetings this week will occur at momsdemandaction.org. Please check the calendar at moresquare.org for events you can attend. You can be involved. A list of services, meals, and hotlines are available at lawrenceprogressivecalendar.blogspot.com. That list is updated daily. Tuesday, December 12th, 5 to 7 p.m., All Alley's Activist Art Show is at Blip Roasters, 1302 Woods Weather Road, Kansas City, Missouri. A meeting of KC area political leaders is coming together as an art event. We can gather at Blip to perform or show and discuss our art with our political allies and the general public. It's an open mic for activist leaders with any political art media for artistic performance or art talk presentation in an open mic format, five to 10 minutes per artist. You can perform your politically relevant piece and or explain and discuss it in terms of society, politics, and art. 
All presentations should have a point in terms of pro-love, pro-justice, anti-war, anti-establishment political art. My name is Terry, reminding you that these events and more can be found on the Jaws of Justice radio page on the KKFI website, kkfi.org, as well as on the Jaws of Justice Facebook page. Stay safe. Thanks to all our listeners. Stay close to your dial and stay well. A crisis on the scale of the pandemic can reorder society in dramatic ways, for better or worse. All of our society pays a heavy price for decades of failing to create a rational system of health care that works for all of us. We'll now return to our show. Macy Jones talking to Mikhail Shabazz. Century of Lies for last week, hosted by Doug McVeigh, featured a focus on the United Nations CND. These are the words of the Colombian delegate. 
Hello, welcome back. My name is Macy Jones, and I'm glad to have on the show with me today Malik Shabazz of the organization Street Life. Now, we was talking earlier about street life. How did you come up with the concept for street life? You know, uh, when you uh, leave home, I left home at 15, turned to 16, somewhere in that area. You go to the streets, and that's everybody. You know, and there are a bunch of people in the streets right now that are just in the streets. They don't have a place to stay. Y'all call them homeless. But for whatever reason, they're forced to the streets due to lack of jobs, lack of knowledge, lack of assistance, and too much red tape. And uh, once you're there, you, you find that you have many, many different pathways to travel. But if you're hungry and you cold, you do what you got to do to be successful. You know what I'm saying? So people end up doing all sorts of things. Women get introduced to drugs, into prostitution. Some guys get introduced to crime. So I don't have a place to stay, and the only people making money are the people that are into crime. You know, uh, I grew up in an era where um, Al Capone, Frank Nitti uh, were my heroes. You know, they say kids want to be the police and fire the men and shit, excuse stuff. So when I grew up, I wanted to be a gangster because the gangsters had the pretty cars, they had the pretty rings, the clothes, they had the women. I ain't never wanted to be nothing else. You know, and then I learned that to be a gangster, you had to take a body. You know, and I got in the game. So when you turn around and talk about in order to be what you wanted to be, I guess we'll still using the word gangster, we'll just use the word your G. <laughs> you know, uh you turn around and you had to uh you had to you had to physically assault or take the life of another person in order to make the bones. You know, uh in order to get the respect that you deserve or that you want, you have to be willing to go there. And in that mindset, because I'm hungry, I'm tired of being cold, trying to, tired of trying to find me a place to stay, I'm gonna take this to the next level. Now some people become robbers, some people become burglars, some people become all kind of things, you know, from the streets. It all starts there because when you homeless and you won't help the shelters only hold so many people then what do you do then they have certain shelters that say if you have a felony conviction you can't stay there they have apartments that say if you have a felony conviction you can't stay there and just think about the people that go downtown right now today how many people today are going downtown to the courthouse charged with multiple crimes that they never committed that the prosecutor is willing to give them probation for. And all they want to do is be free and take care of their family. And if I can go home today, I'm going to do that. But at the same time, they get a felony conviction. That felony conviction locks them out of so many things, so many privileges, you know what I'm saying? And then people look at you a certain way because you have a felony. You know, like everything they have done in their life is perfect. 
you know, these parole officers and different people that you have to deal with, they believe that nobody deserves a second chance because I made it on my own and I did this and I did that so everybody can do that. But their situations didn't force them to the streets to make them who they are. Now, you said that, well, I, hey, before you even make it to the streets, you know, you got, you got a porch, you got a front door you got to step out of, you got a porch, then you got steps that you got to walk down, then you got a sidewalk, then you got a curb. Then the next step after stepping off that curb is the streets. Now, what happens in between there? Because, you know, I got to play devil's advocate. You got to have the other side of the coin, too. Man, we no. can't have it one way. So, you know, explain what the situation is to that you was in elementary school, you was in junior high, you know, you was in high school, you know, what, you know, what are the circumstances that could be so drastic or to such a degree, not saying that they are not there, and not saying that we don't know already what they could be, but for, but for our listening audience, what could be the circumstances that make a 16-year-old or 15-year-old jump off the porch, step off the curb, and end up in the streets? Well, let's just say that uh, when your family ain't everything that you think it is, things change. And when things change, but like on the very topic, I got a incident that a couple of brothers have told me about that uh, seemed to hit the spot or the mark, as you might say. I have a young brother that coming to the masjid and he's 16, 17 years old. He's been incarcerated under that uh, new law that they created in 94. You know what I'm saying? That uh, you didn't have a choice, you know what I'm saying? You get life without parole or you get the death sentence or whatever the case may be. Okay, so uh, the brother is telling me about his situation. He said his mother strung out on crack. And every time that uh, she brings a date home, she puts them outside. She said one year it was snow on the ground and they put him outside. And when they put him outside, you know what I'm saying? He had to stay outside until she finished smoking crack with her date until it was over with. What would force him to the streets? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there are situations, you know, not just dwelling on mine, but everybody's different, man, and everybody's situation is different. I can't justify my situation. My mother and father worked 40 hours a week, you know what I'm saying? They were good parents and stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff we agreed with, a lot of stuff we didn't agree with, but it was stuff that I wanted to do. I mean, my mindset, you know, like, uh, I tell people that when you reach the point in your life that you start making decisions for yourself, everything that happens after that is on you. I started making decisions for myself and decided this is what I wanted to do. And regardless of what my parents said, I was gonna do it anyway. And I went to the streets. It's like the streets were calling me, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I remember one time, uh, I was married and had kids, had my own house. Everything Pops got. You understand what I'm saying? I had it going on, I thought. But I was a criminal. You did. And I was doing everything wrong. 
and I didn't understand it. Then I caught a case, this one here, that I went to the joint for 30 years for, and I learned something when I was on the run, we'll call it. I had more fun hanging out with my family than I ever had in the streets. I had more fun being a father to my kids up close and personal where my lady would say, baby, she just want to spend more time with you, play the game with her. And I started playing the game. And I remember the first time I played it, she said, daddy, you so dumb. You ain't supposed to do it like that. You supposed to do it like this, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, and I found that. So when I got out of prison this time, I want everybody to have that. You understand what I'm saying? That love and that peace that you can find. It's not in the streets. It's in the family. And if we can get the families to start looking at family and being family, we can do a lot better. And I'm trying to get street life designed. This is our purpose and goal is to bring not just assistance to the guys being released, but bring family to the guys that were being released. Now, I noticed I had opportunity to look at your logo that you are putting together. And this logo has a street light and it's got two roads going towards the street light, to the, towards the street light. And one of the roads says failure or jail and the other road says success. How did you come up with that particular concept? See, and what does it represent if I might add? Yeah, well, sometimes uh, success is found in the right places. Sometimes it's found in the wrong places. But to survive in this society the way that it's made up, you have to do the basics. And a lot of people coming out of the joint are not able to do the basics. Street life and the concept is that, look, you can go two ways. You can get out here, you can get out here and be uh, Frank Nitty, Al Capone, all that, but then you're on a revolving cycle. You know what I'm saying? I've been to prison five different times. Deuce here, deuce in the feds, another deuce in the feds. I made the journey. And out of all that, of course I had fun, don't get me wrong, but the cost at the time that I was doing it, my mindset was wrong. I was doing the things to be successful, let me see it another way. I was making the money to be successful, but I wasn't utilizing the money that I was making to be successful. I was utilizing the money to get myself a trip to prison because I was having a good time. I was having a ball. Well, the thought of having a good time. Oh, I was having a ball and a good time. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when I said, I said, one day I'm going to be dead anyway. You know what I'm saying? Tomorrow morning I'll get up and somebody will kill me. I'm in the game. Yes, you know I'm saying it happens to everybody. I mean, so why should I be miserable? I'm gonna live every day and I'm gonna have a good time every day because every day might be the last day. And I know that mindset. And it can be set off in the wrong direction. So I don't mean to cut you off, but I got a question for you. So you mean 
used a word that I hear often used, and that word is the game. You know, is it really a game? Mm. Well, it's a game for the system. It ain't a game for us. <laughs> or is it life? It's a game for the system. They put you in the game. You know, I, I took an economic course. It says that you start work when you turn 16 years old. Okay? You work until you're 65 years old. During that course of the time, you get a home, kids, family, you buy a house, you buy cars, and so forth and on. It says when you reach the age of 65, if you didn't save right or manage your money right because you was living day to day, even though you were 65 and you worked at 30 years, y'all still accumulated some stuff. Now you've accumulated all this stuff. It says that your social security, your disability, and so forth and on, it's not going to be enough to pay the taxes on your house and so forth and on. So therefore, you're going to have to make sacrifices. So you have to have meds, medical care, your wife, you, you know what I'm saying, yourself, you know what I'm saying, pay bills. You don't have enough money to do this. So what the state does is, is they say you're behind on your taxes. They repossess your house. You know what I'm saying, put you out. You end up in an old folks home or they call them now something new. Assistant living house. Yeah, one of those. And... uh they take your house and sell it to the next young couple and start the process all over again. It's a game. And if you don't see it, you play it. You know what I'm saying? So I figured, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to end up there anyway. <laughs> so that's your that's your reason for calling it a game. I, 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 hear, I hear where you at with that. Now, you know, we was talking about them roads, you know. Everybody make choices. Everybody on that road that you have in your logo, there's a fork in the road, and you're coming up to the stoplight because that's a part of your logo too. Now, individuals at that fork in the road, individuals have an opportunity to make a, to make a choice which, which road they're going to take, correct? You take that economic dream that I just told you that they teach in economics. Mm -hmm. Or you take that street life dream and you end up in prison in that cycle. You know what I'm saying? Because you realize that, oh, this is, <laughs> I'm gonna end up here anyway. So I might as well enjoy what I'm living and hopefully I can stockpile enough money and not end up like that. All right? It's your dream over here and it's on that lane which usually ends up in jail, okay, or at graveyard. There's your choice. You see, you see two streets, but there's actually a third street in there. It's coming from the graveyard. You know what I'm saying? It's not a, a the, the thing is not going out. Everybody ends up in the graveyard. Everybody. So how are you coming in? Are you coming into the graveyard from success? Or you coming into the graveyard from prison, from failure. This is the concept. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody goes to the graveyard. So on the streets, you choose. Now, here's one difference that you need to make out that economics didn't teach. On that level where you did it, where you worked the years 16 to 65 and this, that, and the other, you had quality time with your family. You had quality time with the people that you love. You had quality time with yourself and 
your community. You understand what I'm saying? You were idealistic in what you felt your life should be. And you had a beautiful life because you had your family and things that you love. But the prison life, the other road, you were just doing the best you could with what you had every day. And of course, I was having fun and this, that, and the other, but that didn't make it right. And I wanted to start a program to show brothers that no matter what color you are, you can be successful. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes the most important thing ain't money. Sometimes the most important thing is family. Loving and being loved. And before I forget, my mother is the only person who rode with me for 30 years. The only person. I'm saying like, what about the guys? When I was in the joint, I saw their mothers die. I mean, and then after their mothers died, they didn't have no help no more. You know what I'm saying? After the family dies, they don't have no help no more. So I'm saying like, I'm a little more luckier than most. And I want to help the ones that are not as lucky as me. I heard you use the word mindset. So how do we begin to change the mindset of society towards uh, a new and different way? You know, if you look at the statistics in Missouri, it says that Missouri inmates serve more time than anybody in the United States, all right? They say that the inmates in the United States serve more time than anybody in the world. If that's the case, that means that inmates in Missouri are serving more time than anybody in the world. I mean, uh, according to their own statistics, it says that uh, a person that serves 25 years more never comes back to prison. Never. All in they, they statistics say it. So why do you want to keep a man more than 25 years if it's about rehabilitation? It's about being successful, you know what I'm saying, or giving him a second chance. If that's what parole is all about, a second chance, you know what I'm saying? So after 25 years, why are they still keeping people? Because the industry is making money off these people. They make everything. They make the couches, the chairs, everything in the office buildings, in the federal, on the state's level, everything on the state level they make in prison. Tags, furniture. Copies, you know, the, all the letterheads for everybody in the state of Missouri, they're made in prison. All the, the, the desks, the tables, the chairs, all that's in prison. The clothes that they make, you know what I'm saying? Do you know actually make the clothes in prison and then sell them to us? <laughs> Wait, and I remember that, uh, what you call was paying $7 Walmart for sweatsuits, sweatpants. They made us pay 19 in the prison. And even though things are cheaper on the outside than they're in prison, they won't let us spend our money for this cheaper stuff. On a 42 inch on the street costs you $169 right now. They want to pay $200 in prison for a 12 inch TV. You know what I'm saying? The injustice because the system is making money and then the TVs that they have in prison, you can't send them out and be fixed because they're made in China and Taiwan and all over the world, you understand what I'm saying? And they bought them on a discount and they dumping them on us. You know what I'm saying? All that second class stuff, you understand what I'm saying? This is they hustle. They making money off of them. So why would they change? These are the people that street life are trying to direct their attention to and assist, you know what I'm saying? We wanna show people the problem because there are a lot of organizations in the state of Missouri that are designed or supposedly designed to 
assist inmates in and out of prison. That all they are referral services. They refer you to somebody to refer you to somebody to refer you to somebody. So since that's the case, we want to be somebody that when they come to us the first time, what they need, we can help them with. If it's clothes, we can help them with clothes. If it's food, we can help them with food. If it's a place to stay, we can help them with a place to stay. You just come out to prison and you need all the assistance that you can get. And that's what we're trying to do. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to be able to get an understanding of the red tape and try to cut through it for other people. And with that being said, I'd like to thank you, Mikkel, for being on our show today. And is there anything that you would like to say? At this moment, um, I would like to send greetings out to all the people that are listening. And I appreciate y'all listening to me and hope you invite me back. You have a contact information? Uh, I will give it to you when I come back. I got it wrote down. I didn't, it's in my phone and I left my phone, so. Okay, <laughs> so you pretty much left your contact information out. Okay, well, the next time that we have you on the show, hopefully we'll be able to give uh, our, our listening audience here at KKFI. To KKFI, and we'll try to get it on this episode so that anyone wanting to go to the broadcast could listen to the broadcast and be able to get your information if they wish to contact you, be in a position to do so. Like again, my name is Macy Jones, and I have with me Malik Shabazz, and I'd like to thank you and welcome you home, and as well, thank you for being a part of our show today. Have a good day. It's the 420 Drug War News. Century of Lies for last week, hosted by Doug McVeigh, featured a focus on the United Nations CND. These are the words of the Colombian delegate. With a gender perspective, aligns with human rights standards and the right to the highest attainable standard of health, as outlined in the international guidelines on human rights and drug policy. Now, today we heard Several reports showing that countries' adherence to scientific evidence-based intervention to scientific evidence remains lacking. And I cannot keep from asking myself, why will anyone not hear scientific evidence at all, and especially when it means saving lives? And perhaps the answer is because evidence leads more and more to harm reduction. And harm reduction does undermine or does put a question mark on the prohibitionist perspective that has led or that has been imposed on international drug policy. So, my country urges the membership of the CND to listen to science, to embrace science, and to allow us in the next midterm review to make of harm reduction the cornerstone of the international drug policy. Public health professionals are to be the first responders to the world drug situation. 
no one else. Thank you. That was the Colombian delegate to the CND. She spoke at the commission meeting on the morning of December 4th during a thematic discussion on the increase in drug-related deaths and the unmet need for drug treatment and health services. Now let's hear from the delegate from the European Union. Achieving universal health coverage and access to quality essential health care services is among the sustainable development goals and part of universally accepted human rights standards, as pointed out by the WHO. However, such access to health care and social services for all without discrimination remains insufficient, especially for people in vulnerable situations and specifically for people who use drugs. Therefore, ensuring gender-sensitive access to and strengthening treatment and care services is an important strategic priority in the EU drug strategy and action plan. Be sure to check out Century of Lies. I am Dean at DrugTruth.net. We hope you enjoyed today's show and that we leave you with something to think about, something to talk to your neighbors about, and a reason to get involved. As always, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests of Jaws of Justice Radio, not of KKFI, the Midcoast Radio Project Incorporated, its staff or volunteers. You can find our calendar of events and a link to our show episodes on the Jaws of Justice Radio Facebook page. You can always listen to us live and find our podcast on the KKFI website, kkfi.org. If you have a show idea or want to help produce the show, you can send an email inquiry or comment to kkfi.org forward slash contact. This is Jeff reminding you our outro music is Higher Ground from the Playing for Change CD. Please tune in for the rest of our 9 a.m. weekday lineup with the Law and Disorder on Tuesday, Alternative Radio on Wednesday, Cowtown Conversations on Thursday, and Between the Lines at 9 a.m., followed by Understanding Israel-Palestine at 9.30 a.m. on Fridays. Up next is Monday Morning Medicine Show with Dr. Mike. And at noon, Arts Magazine with Michael Hogue. Stick around for jazz and blues in the afternoon and Eco Radio KC at 6 p.m. Then round out your day south of the border with Fiesta Musicale
This is Steve Earle, and you're listening to 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. Good morning this morning. In the morning, been a fine morning, as morning, but a nice morning in the morning. If you and your people love me and my people, like me and my people love you and your people down there, were people, since people were people love you and your people, like me and my people love you and your people, was it? 